0: Hello people of the way, blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to 1 John chapter 1, the book of 1 John chapter 1, we continue our study through the New Testament. Now, several things we have to understand before we begin our study through 1 John chapter 1 is that remember John like Peter, he walked with Jesus physically and in the spirit. Now, he's an old man at this particular time. But remember, there's no correlating time frame here. You, do you remember how when we started our study in the Corinthian letters in 1 Corinthians and even 2 Corinthians, how we correlate that time frame to uh, Acts 18 through Acts 21 and we look at that time frame? Well, we can't do that with These letters of brother John, we can't do that. You know, he wrote the gospel of John, but we can't correlate time frame. There is no correlating time frame here because he starts writing his letters around 90 AD. Well, these later letters, he starts writing around 90 AD. So what has happened is Paul and Peter, they've been dead for some time now, a little over 20 years. We say dead, but they're only asleep. Now, I think it's very interesting how the Lord has us finish 2 Peter and the book of Judges consecutively in back-to-back studies in Wednesday and Sunday and Sunday and Wednesday, how we have these back-to-back studies. And it just so happens that we finish these two books back-to-back. Now, especially understanding in the book of Judges, When we see what happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. How being lukewarm leads to idolatry, which leads to apostasy, which leads to judgment, and which leads to hell. Remember our study on Wednesday, how we uh, discuss and shared and study these things. And remember in the book of Joshua, when beautiful vessel Joshua, he says, choose this day whom you shall serve. And then he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then the people, they're in agreement. They're on board. They're in agreement. And they say, hey, you know, hey, Joshua, we're on board. You know, as for us and our houses, we're going to serve the Lord as well. And then it seems good. And it is good. But then you turn the page. And we get to the book of Judges and we see what happens when the Lord became forgotten in such a short span of time. Now, in the New Testament, as New Covenant believers and in the New Testament, there's something that we must understand. This is the largest gap of time in any other letter in the New Testament. This is the largest gap of time. The, the, the newest texts in the Bible, they're written by Brother John. The newest texts in the Bible. There's old texts. I mean, the, the, the entirety of the Bible is, I mean, considering, you know, it's 2023 presently, but the entirety of the Bible is old, but there are some texts that are way older than others. And in the case of John's letters, these are the newest texts in the Bible. And in this 20-year gap of time. I mean, for the most part, when we look at like, you know, when, when, when Peter's at the end of the road or when Paul's at the end of the road and we uh, 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 look at corresponding time frames in the book of Acts. This is like a 20-year gap of time when John writes these letters, these later letters. And in this 20-year gap of time, who is it that remembers the Lord? You see, And John's later letters, they cover a five-year window of time from 90 A.D. to 95 A.D. And this spans all the way to the book of Revelation. Remember, these are the newest texts in the Bible. The most recent texts in the Bible are written by beautiful, beautiful Brother John. And who is it in this 20-year gap of time since... The passing of vessel Paul and vessel Peter in this 20-year gap of time to get us to 90 AD. Who is it that remembers the Lord? And what about the thousand-year gap of time? Who is it that remembers the Lord? And in this 1,928-year gap of time, bringing us all the way to 2023, Who is it that remembers the Lord when the Lord among the masses has become forgotten? Who among the remnant remembers him and honors him and glorifies him? Exactly like we see in the book of Judges. It just so happens. It just so happens. Who remembers the Lord? I wonder, I wonder and so we begin our study here in first john chapter one and it is written here in verse one that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen now understand this is something that cannot be taken away from brother john Remember the bubbles of Paul that we would mention? Remember our study in the, uh, in Paul's epistles and even the pastoral epistles, how uh, we speak of the bubbles of Paul, how there's the big bubble for all the saints, and then there's a smaller bubble for those in ministry, and then there's the tiny bubble for the next generation of pastoral leadership, such as Timothy and Titus. Well, Brother John has a bubble too. Pastors and teachers, they have bubbles too. What the Christian has to discern, what you and me have to discern, is whether or not the bubble is right. Of course, being a Berean, with the understanding of formula. Very important. Don't forget, while there's the bubble of Old Man John in 90 AD, there's this bubble of Old Man John, There are also many other bubbles. The influence of Alexander and Hymenaeus multiplied over the years. Think about the new so-called pastors that they raised up. So there are many bubbles out there in 90 AD. Many, many bubbles. But which bubble is safe? You see? And when Paul says you have 10,000 teachers, but one father, he was speaking of himself when he says you have 10,000 teachers, but one father speaking of himself. And when you look at the translation in the Greek, he speaks of like a, a passage through birth canal, like he gave birth to the saints. That's how it translates in the Greek. That's the love that Paul has for the saints, like a dad unto his kids. We'll say it another way. You have 10,001 bubbles. You have 10,001 bubbles. You see, the 10,001, including Paul. You have 10,001 bubbles. You see, when Paul said that, Corinth was only three years old at the time. From the birth of the church, Corinth was only three years old. The church age itself wasn't very old at all. And yet, in that short period of time, That short period of time produced 10,000 teachers from the ascension of Jesus, our Lord. There were 10,000 teachers. That's I mean, if we do simple math, that equates to I mean, this is simple math, but it equates to 400 teachers per year. And that, 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 that doesn't factor in compounding over a short period of time, but let's just boil it down and say 400 teachers a year to get to the point where there's 2000 teachers or, or or 10,000 teachers or 10,000 bubbles, not factoring in compounding, you see, to reach that level of bubbles in that short amount of time is insanely fast. Incredibly fast to get to the point when Paul writes to the Corinthian church, you have 10,000 bubbles. Well, 10,001, including himself. That's some fast growth of bubbles of teachers. And that's just 25 years. What about 100 years? What about 1,000 years? What about 2,000 years, give or take a couple years? all the way to bring us to the point all the way to today, all the teachers, it's no longer 10,000 teachers. It's no longer 10, 10, 10,000 bubbles. It's straight up, you know, 10 billion bubbles. Remember judges, maybe 10 million. Remember this, our study in the book of judges. Yeah, they have priests. Yeah, they had priests. They had the Levitical priesthood. They had Kohanim. They had it. But where could be found Abodah, Abodah Mishkan? Where? And we say that quite a bit, but if you're listening for the first time and you're wondering, what? What is Abodah, Abodah Mishkan? That's a beautiful thing to wonder what that is. Go back and listen to our study through Leviticus and you'll understand all about Abodah, Abodah Mishkan. Go back and listen. Before listening to Leviticus, you know, remember our study in Leviticus came with some major warning labels. Listen to our study through uh, 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 Galatians and Hebrews and then go and listen to Leviticus. You'll understand all about Abodah, Abodah Mishkan. And in the era of judges in that time frame, they had priests, they had Levites, they had Kohanim. But look what happened when the Lord became forgotten you see the masses in 90 AD the masses they're not with John only the remnant is those with ears to hear and hearts and minds to discern remember when Paul says we're not peddling the word of God yet we speak is what Paul says remember we're not peddlers of the word of God now Let's be real. Let's be, let's be straight up. What Paul says, what Paul says and what Paul writes, what Peter says and what Peter writes, what James says and what James writes, that's a quick way to lose people. I mean, if their goal was to grow a church for the sake of growing a church, do you think James would call saints adulterers and adulteresses? You see, that's a quick way to lose people. And these vessels of the Lord, they don't speak for self-aggrandizement. They don't speak from, you know, uh, 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 to exalt self. They speak from hardship, persecution, tribulation. Saints are leaving them and they just don't stop. To the point of death, faithful unto their master. Speaking of Jesus. The masses are not with them. It is only the remnant. It's very important to understand. Brother John, he speaks to this very, very thing, speaking of his tiny bubble remember in verse one that which was from the beginning pointing to jesus he says which we have heard which we have seen and he says in verse one with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled now this word for handle is very interesting because it has intimacy associated with it which is to search to touch to verify and to confirm very interesting how that word is used have you ever been softly touched by a blind person, someone who can no longer see with their eyes, but yet they see differently where they ask you to come closer and closer to them and then they reach out and they touch your face and they feel the contours of your cheeks and you know the cheek bones and facial structure and eye sockets and nose and nose placement and ear placement and they feel the hair and then they smile oh it's you it's you and then they give you a big fat hug a big warm loving embrace and that's what brother john is describing here he says our hands Our hands that have touched that which was from the beginning. Don't forget. John is the disciple that Jesus loved. Don't forget. There are people today who say, well, that's debatable. Number one, I don't care what they say. There are people today who they come up with these ideas that lead to their own destruction because they twist the scriptures saying that the disciple who Jesus loved was female and that Jesus was married. They concoct these theories. They twist the scriptures. And they do so to their own destruction. When you see reference to the disciple that Jesus loved, it is only found in the book of John. Only. In the intimacy of the upper room before Jesus our Lord was captured. In that intimacy, the disciples were there. This is before Jesus was captured, before he died on the cross. And the disciples were with him in that upper room. And in that setting in the upper room, there was only one who was leaning on his bosom, as the word of God says. Translates as reclining in his chest. Now picture that for a moment. That beautiful intimacy where, you know, our Lord is speaking to them and our Lord tells them that he would be betrayed by one of them. And the disciples intently listening. And then Peter is the one who motions to this particular disciple who's reclining in our Lord's chest and he motions to ask Jesus, you know, you know, ask him who he's talking about. You know, when Jesus says one of you will betray me and like Peter motions, you know, hey, ask him this account is captured in the gospel of John chapter 13, verse 21 through 25. And in John 13 verse 24, says that Peter, therefore, motioned to him, to him, to him, male. You know what that means? This obliterates the theory that the disciple who Jesus loved was female and that Jesus was married. It obliterates it because the reference is male. You see? And people formulate these ideas and theories. You know why? Because it's of Antichrist spirit. And yet today, they have a large following today. They come up with these theories. They come up with these Bible codes, they call it. Other codes too. And people follow them. You see, they're not Bereans. They don't read the text. They don't understand the text. And they cannot, you know why? They don't have the spirit of our Lord. They have the spirit of Satan, Antichrist spirit. And so you have these disciples in the upper room. They're all there and there is one who is straight up reclining in his chest. That's a special kind of love. Now, I teach from America presently, just so you know. I presently teach from America and here in America and in many Western cultures, this level of intimacy is lost today. We don't see it anymore. But it can still be found in some cultures. In some cultures where there is... There's no blockades. There's no blockades to intimacy. Deep friendship. Deep relationship. Deep love. I mean, there's... There's regular intimacy, so to speak, but then there's deeper intimacy, and then there's straight up deep, deep, deep intimacy, what we like to call cheek-to-cheek. Remember our study not too long ago, cheek-to-cheek? And of this disciple who Jesus loved, Peter later asked Jesus, before our Lord ascends to heaven... In John chapter 21 and verse 21, Peter says, but Lord, what about this man? What about this man? Then a couple verses later, still in John 21 and in verse 24, it is written, this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. You see, that's the book of John. The disciple who Jesus loved, that was John. You see, people can theorize all they want. They can debate all they want. They can come up with their codes. They can come up with their theories. And they can question this. They can question that. But the scriptures are perfectly clear to the Berean. When Brother John writes about his hands handling Jesus, who he has seen and looked upon. Remember, John was cheek to cheek with Jesus. A deep, deep, deep intimacy. And that's what John is speaking of in 1 John chapter 1. This deep intimacy. And he continues, that's in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. Brother John continues, concerning the word of life, he says, remember that which was from the beginning. Concerning the word of life, in verse 2, the life was manifested. Remember what Paul says, what Moses says, what Isaiah says, what Peter says? Until the seed, until the seed. And in verse two, he says the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you. He says, you see, John isn't braggadocious and saying, oh, look how awesome I am. He's not doing that at all. What he's doing is he's explaining his credence his stock, his caliber. And the purpose is to declare to those with ears. That's why he's doing. it. It's not for popularity. It's not for personal gain. There's no manipulation. There's no sales pitch. There's no gimmicks or coercion. You don't see that. And yet there is declaration to those with ears. And he says the life in verse 2 was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you. Notice the two two sources. The the, the two. I mean, Paul, uh, 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 brother John. He's speaking of his tiny bubble. You know, we have seen and bear witness, and in this tiny bubble, he says, and we declare to you. You see that eternal life. That eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Remember. Tiny bubble. John's tiny bubble. He says in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard. Remember, it's very important to remember. This is John. The masses are not with John. Only the remnant. And John had cheek to cheek with Jesus. Both in flesh and in spirit. And from this source, speaking of John, he declares and he pours out. But what exactly is it that he declares and what exactly is it that he pours out and why? And in verse three, we see that that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. You see, it's an invitation. Straight up invitation. Invitation. That you also may have fellowship with us. You see, it's an invitation. Come inside this bubble. Tiny bubble. Come inside this tiny bubble. And when he says fellowship, it's koinonia in the Greek. And if you've been walking with us for a while, it's not just a gathering. You know that. If you've been walking with us for a while, you know that. It's much deeper. Much, much deeper. Love feast. The word is described as intercourse. But it's not carnal nor of the flesh. Now, you hear us say intercourse. Now, if your mind goes off into crazy town, you need to repent. Repent and be clean before the Lord. This is described as intercourse, but it's a social intercourse. It's love feast. It's the family of God, heirs of Abraham by faith in Jesus. More special And more beautiful than biological family is the family of faith. You see? But understand what we mean when we say family of faith. We're talking about tiny bubble. You see? In these last days, the larger bubble, that bubble's popped and enters judgment. As we studied in Peter's letters, judgment comes first to the church. We're talking about tiny bubble, the small bubble of the remnant. You see, and in this invitation of brother John, we declared to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's pretty bold of John to say. Where someone could respond, oh my goodness, John, he's such an elitist. He thinks he's special. He thinks he has a monopoly on the Bible. He thinks that his way is the only way. But let me ask you a question. Where can the writings of Alexander and Hymenaeus and the Gnostics be found? I'll give you the answer. Not in the Bible. You see? Beautiful, Brother John, he had such intimacy intimacy with Jesus Christ that his very words, inspired of the Spirit, are captured in the canon of Scripture. And the Word became flesh. And this vessel of the Lord, Brother John, he says in verse 4, And these things we write to you. And these things we write to you, he says, why? So that they can be awesome. They can. can you know, does he want to be awesome? Does he want to be on pedestals so, so, so that they can be exalted? So that John could put a price tag on his letters and sell books? So that he can get the likes on social media and become influencers and be popular? Hashtag blessed. No way. No way. Remember Paul? Paul to the saints, is for you. You guys are like kings. Us, he says, we're trash. Brother John, he writes and he pours out for a reason. He says in verse four, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Remember there's effectuation. Remember when in, in uh, uh, the letters of uh, James, Remember, I mean, there's some hardcore truths in these letters, beautiful, beautiful letters. Remember, you know, you adulterers and adulterers, you ask and have not because you ask amiss. Remember? Remember? What pastor do you know would, you know, you, you, you figure, okay, we're in church, we're in church, we're supposed to be happy, we're supposed to be full of joy, and then what pastor do you know who will say, no, is it not it is not a time for joy, it is not to be happy, it's not a time to be happy, you know why, because of you, you need to repent. Because all you know, you 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 have not because you 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 have not because you ask not and you ask you ask amiss. Remember, and then he says, you adulterers and adulteresses, you gotta repent. Remember when Paul in Corinth with the leaven in the church, he says, listen, you guys, your rejoicing isn't good. What pastor do you know would say to Christians, you rejoice, but that's not a good thing? What pastor do you know would even dare to utter such a thing? When you figure, oh, you know, we're, we're supposed to come church, come to church. We're supposed to feel good about ourselves. We're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be full of joy. But that cannot happen with leaven. That cannot happen with the carnal. That cannot happen with things of the flesh. When Brother John, when he writes that your joy may be full, this isn't, you know, so that a pastor can tell jokes and people can laugh. That's a carnal joy. That's a joy that's of the flesh. And that's not deep at all. But the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is from the Lord. And in order to have the joy of the Lord... There needs to be effectuation of promise. And for effectuation of promise, it evokes a response for you and me to live sacrificially unto the Lord. You see? The joy of the Lord is not, you know, a guy standing at the pulpit telling jokes so that people can laugh and think like, oh, look, I'm laughing. I'm full of joy. Oh, look, I'm laughing. The the pastor told a joke. I'm laughing now. You know, he says, you know, uh, 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 a knock-knock joke at the pulpit. And here I am laughing. And then people go home and they go back to their sex, drugs, rock and roll. See, that's not joy of the Lord. They might have momentary joy. It's not joy of the Lord. It's a carnal joy. It's a joy of the flesh. These are things that Paul speaks of, James speaks of, Peter speaks of, and John is speaking of, that your joy may be full, but this isn't a carnal joy. This is the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is holy. You see, it's for a holy people. It's for the Ecclesia. You see, church isn't just... People treat it like it's a social club. I know people treat it that way. And they can do... There, There's no... You know, God doesn't make robots. We have a choice to make. You see? And when we understand the formula, we know what to look for. You see? Always accounting for babies. Always, always, always accounting for babies. Because babies make mistakes. Even the mature make mistakes. It's not like when they were babies. And that's koinonia. That's ecclesia. That is special. Not just special. That is holy. And within that framework can be found the joy of the Lord. Real joy. Deep joy. Not a joy where, you know, you come to church and you're depressed and you're sad and you come to church and you laugh for, you know, the the pastor's telling his jokes and you might laugh and it might be a legit laugh. But the laugh is gone after 20 seconds. The laugh is gone after five seconds. But the joy of the Lord isn't five seconds. No, it's much deeper. And you might come to church depressed. You might come to church sad and full of sorrow. And the joy of the Lord, He takes away that sorrow. He takes away that pain. He takes away that hurt and replaces it with a deeper joy. And that's from the Lord. It is holy. And in order to have that, there's a reason for that. It's in fulfillment of God's promises, which are entirely true more true than the very earth that we presently stand on. As surely as the Lord lives, He does give joy and joy to the fullest. But there's effectuation. You see? Very important to understand. And so this invitation of beautiful brother John, he gives this invitation so that We can enter this tiny bubble. In verse 4, these things we write to you. Not so so he can be the influencer on social media, you know, hashtag blessed. No. It's so that our joy may be full. That your joy may be full. And in verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you. You see, when John pours out, understand from what cistern does he come Paul, James, Peter, when they pour out, from what cistern do they come? And when you understand formula and real fruits, not the fake stuff, the very things that Jesus our Lord tells us to be watchful of, you know that what they pour is holy. You know that what they pour is safe. Remember Onesiphorus? When everybody was leaving Paul, he says, No, I'm with Paul. You see, he was a Berean. So, Vessel John, he collects from a holy cistern and he pours out in declaration. And we see in verse 5 that we declared from him, and you know, we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You see? Now, remember the invitation in verse 3? that you also may have fellowship with us, what we see in verse 3. And so you and me today, we've entered this tiny bubble of Brother John, Vessel John, who had cheek-to-cheekness with Jesus, Son of the Most High God, a special intimacy. And now that we're in this tiny bubble of beautiful Vessel John, where as Bereans, we know it is safe, vessel john continues to teach and pour out and he says this in verse six if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth very interesting remember faith is a package deal go back and listen to our study through the book of james faith is a package deal let us not be hearers only but be doers of the word And John says if we say but do not practice the truth, John says we become liars. And in order to practice truth, truth must be known. Very important to notice and see and realize that John, he does not exclude himself. He knows the same rules apply to him that apply to you and me. He also knows that he's under stricter judgment as teacher. That's why Brother James says, Let not many be teachers. Let not many be teachers, Brother James says. And what John is doing here in 1 John chapter 1, he's pointing. To the same disconnect that Paul speaks of, that Peter speaks of, that James speaks of. When Paul says to the saints, your rejoicing isn't good. When James says to the saints, you adulterers and adulteresses, they point to the disconnect of walking in darkness. You see? Remember, we just talked about lukewarmness in our Wednesday study. It just so happens. It just so happens. And walking in darkness comes at a heavy price. You know, I could candy coat it and say, it removes effectuation of promise. And it does. That would be if I candy coated it. But I'm not going to candy coat it. Because walking in darkness, that's the path that leads to hell. You see? And including himself... Brother John, he continues. He says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, he's describing the parameters for koinonia. Biblical koinonia. Biblical koinonia, which has the means by which we get clean and stay clean to the churches in revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 written by brother john Jesus says but this I have against you to the churches but this I have against you it really says a lot about the shepherds of those churches for Jesus to say but this I have against you you see But of Smyrna and Philadelphia, Jesus does not say, but this I have against you. You know why? They had good shepherds, good teachers. Those saints in Smyrna and Philadelphia, they got clean and they stayed clean. You see? Just like we see in verse 7, if we walk in the light, verse 7 of 1 John chapter 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He says in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, with this verse in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. With this verse, we cannot, we cannot forget the many it is also written. This verse, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This verse does not give license for sin. Remember when Paul in Romans, when he says, you know, does that mean that that, that we should sin so that grace can abound? Question mark? No way! Exclamation point. Remember our study through Romans? As we grow and mature in Christ, what's going to happen is that we're going to sin less and less and less and less. But we're never going to be sinless. When we're sinless, we're going to be dead. But as we grow and mature and become deadly, the good deadly. We're going to sin less and less and less and less. You see, never being sinless as, you know, as long as we're in these earth suits, never being sinless. But understand the degree of sin and type of sin changes. My repenting today is not like it was 25 years ago. My repenting today is not like it was 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. My repenting today is not like it was in times prior. You see? And this is what Brother John is speaking of. If we say we have no sin in verse 8, we deceive our, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Don't forget the sin of commission and the sin of omission. You see, people think, oh, the, the sin of commission, you know, uh, what I've done, I need to repent of. And that might be true, depending on what it is. You know, I do this, I got to repent. I say this, I got to repent. But don't forget, it is also written to him who knows what he ought to do and does not do it. To him, it is sin. You see? And I love how Jesus, our Lord, he raises the bar. He raises the bar. Why? Because he wants us holy. And it's not an unattainable bar. Remember, he gives us the Holy Spirit, the helper, Pericletus. To help us, to help you, to help me, to help us. Gifts of the Spirit in biblical koinonia, love feast. Every high priest with gifts. Remember our study in Hebrews. Very important to understand. Because our knowledge can grow, number one, but at the same time, understand knowledge is a gift of the Spirit. Not the greatest gift, but a gift nonetheless. And it's a beautiful gift. But in this knowledge, we can grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper deeper in love with our Lord. Cheek to cheek. Just like the upper room where you have the disciples, except there's this one who's straight up leaning into the chest of our Lord. A special love. You see? And in verse 9, Brother John says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Remember, the biblical model is not once saved, always saved. That is unbiblical. The biblical model is once saved, stay saved. It's not once clean, always clean. I mean, what what parent would bathe their two-year-old child and say, okay, once clean, always clean. For the child to never bathe again because at age two, he was bathed. Once clean, always clean. What parent would do such a thing? What parent would even think such a thing? it's once clean stay clean once clean stay clean and that happens through repentance you see and Jesus is faithful to forgive that's beautiful that's powerful And in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, to cleanse us. In verse 10, remember in our our study in the Old Testament, when Moses is with Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, okay, fine, you know, get out of here. You're free to go. I release you, except leave the animals. And Moses says, no. No. Moses tells Pharaoh, no, the Lord says we got to take the animals. And he even tells Pharaoh, he says, I don't know why we need the animals, but the Lord says we need the animals. You know why? A lot of sin. A lot of blood. You See, life for life. To atone for sin. But it's the same in the church. We get clean, but we have to stay clean. And that happens through repentance. And it's beautiful. Now, it's not repenting for the same thing over and over and over for one year, two years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. The same thing over and over and over. And that's where shepherds need to come in and say like, hey, you know, what's up with the sex? What's up with the drugs? What's up with the alcohol? It's not the same thing because repenting, that the the sin, that changes. In verse 10, Brother John says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know what this means? The very thing that we've been saying. We have to get clean and stay clean. Because when we say sin changes, the degree of sin is directly proportional to the degree of maturity. The degree of sin is directly proportional to the degree of maturity. How I repent today is not like it was 25 years ago. You see? How you repent today is not like it was when you came to Christ. The degree of sin is directly proportional to the degree of maturity. You see? Faithful shepherds. You know what they say? The faithful shepherds? Let's get you cleaned up. This isn't to hammer anybody and say like, well, you know, if you're repenting for the same thing, hey, you know, like you're going to burn in hell. No. Hey, if you're repenting for the same thing, let's get you cleaned up. Let's get you cleaned up. And then now that you're clean, okay, what's the deal? Why does sex have such a stranglehold on you? Why does alcohol, why does uh, 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 the Buddha and the Ouija boards, Why does the crack have, why does cooking spoons and the lines, why does it have such a stranglehold on you? And then a person can open up and say, well, you know, I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to that. You know, there's this, there's that. And in private studies, it's like, well, listen, that's idolatry. That's idolatry. Why is it that you're given over to these things? Why is it that you give yourselves to the, give yourself to this idol that you call whiskey? Why is it that you give yourself to this idol you call uh, strippers and pornography? Why is it that you give yourself to this idol called crack and cocaine? You see, and when people realize like, Whoa, this is idolatry. People realize like, oh my goodness, I never knew that. And I've had these conversations with people like, wow, you you know, you call this idolatry, but I've never seen this as an idol. I went to this church and this pastor told me that it's okay that God is love and he's just going to love on me and all these things. Listen, if you have a pastor like that, get a new pastor. He is Disqualified. People today are yearning for healing. They want healing. And listen, it is not a bad thing to desire healing. But healing is a byproduct of Jesus Christ. Biblical healing, true healing. And yet you have pastors today. Oh, that moving of the Spirit, what you see in the book of Acts, that's not for today. That was for 2,000 years ago. That's what they say. You have so-called pastors today standing at the pulpit. And that's what they teach when the Bible says otherwise. The Bible says, hey, are you sick? Go to your elder. He will pray for you. You see? And people say, okay, I'm sick. I'm feeling ill. I'm going to go to my pastor. I'm going to go to the elder. And I do that. And he, pray, he lays hands. He prays. And nothing happens. You know what that reveals? There's a problem with that guy. I mean, there's several reasons why, you know, the Bible says, you know, go to your elder, you will have healing. And then you go to your elder and you don't have healing. There's a reason why. It could be you. It could be the elder. And then you have elders and pastors who say, oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. You know what they're telling you? They're saying, oh, you know what? The Lord isn't with me. That's what they're saying. If you hear a pastor standing at the pulpit and say, Oh, the moving of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and what you see in the book of Acts, the healing, and how the, how the Lord works, that was for 2,000 years ago. You know what they're telling you? What they're revealing? The Lord's not with me. They're revealing to you that they themselves are not with the Lord. They have no power. No oil. That's what they're telling you. And today, people, everybody, but saints, saints are desperate for healing. Desperate for healing. Desperate for answers. I've had these conversations with brothers and sisters in the Lord. They have these Strangleholds, alcohol, sex, drugs, dependencies. And it's so beautiful to have these conversations and like, you know, like, you know, offline Bible studies. It's so beautiful because it's like when a person realizes that, whoa, you know, cocaine is my idol. When a person realizes like, whoa, the strippers, that's an idol. The prostitutes, the gambling, whoa, that's an idol. Now they start to realize the ramifications of their own choices. And not for the sake of, okay, you know, you made these crummy decisions, okay, now you're going to burn in hell. No, it's not like that. Yeah, there were bad decisions made, but I'll tell you something very sad to me most of the time people make these terrible 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 decisions based on what they've been taught by their disqualified pastor most of the time you have the disqualified pastor who did not heed brother john when or, or brother james when brother james says let not many be teachers and you got this disqualified person on his second marriage, third marriage. Previous wives are not dead. They had irreconcilable differences. Present wife is crazy. Kids have their sexual addictions. He can't keep his own house in order and he's attempting to have the house of God in order. And the Bible warns against such people. And yet, there they are, teaching at the pulpit. Speaking from the pulpit when, biblically, they have no business at the pulpit. But to have these conversations... And people start to realize like, oh my goodness, like I have these strong, I'm addicted to sex. I'm addicted to crack. I'm addicted to alcohol, you know, whiskey and all these things. I have so much pain in my life. I have so much, this, this pain in my life and the whiskey, it helps it go away. The crack, it helps it go away. You know what that's revealing is there is no healing. Because when the Lord heals, it's done. There's finality to it. It's done. Healed. And the Bible says, I got to go to my elder. So I go to my elder. He prays, but nothing happens. Nothing happens for a reason. It's very important to understand. Nothing happens for a reason. It could be you. It could be the the person. You know, It could be that. But more often than not, the reason is because of the teacher and the teacher at the pulpit, the pastor at the pulpit, the elder, whoever it is, the overseer standing at the pulpit and said, oh, yeah, that's for 2000 years ago. It's not for today.
1: You see, you
0: cannot submit to such people. And brother John here, he's saying that if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And that is not excuse to sin because we have to factor in and remember all the other, it is also written. That doesn't give license to, you know, have addictions and for 10 years to be on crack, for 20 years to be on alcohol, for 50 years to be the sex head. No, it doesn't give license for that. That, you know, should we sin more so that grace can abound? And what does Paul say? No way! Exclamation point. Remember? But I have this stronghold in my life. I have this, you know, I like the crack. I like the whiskey. I like the sex. I like, hold on. It's to say, you need to see those things as idols. You need to see that as an idol. And what is it that you will worship? You see? Remember our study in the book of Judges? If you're listening for the first time, go back and listen to our study through Judges. Judges. And idolatry spreads. Now, number one, how does idolatry even get there? You see, oh, but we got our priests. We got the Kohanim. We got the Levites. Yeah, you got them, all right. But look at them. You see? Look at Micah and his household. Look at his mom and her idolatry, which spread to Micah, which spread to Dan, which spread to Israel, remember? Remember? Look at what it ultimately led to. Painful, painful passages in the book of Judges. But to understand, it never had to be this way. When God says, I am the Lord your God. Have no other gods before me. You shall not have a graven image. You see? And when people see their alcohol, when people see their cocaine, when people see their crack, when people see their meth, when people see their, you know, vodka, when people see their strippers, when people see their pornography, when people see that as idols, now it puts the impetus on the person. You see? Am I going to bow down to the whiskey? Am I going to bow down to the crack? Am I going to bow down to the strippers and serve them? Or am I going to bow down to the Lord? Am I going to bow down to the Lord and be cleansed and be healed? You See? Pastors need to teach qualified pastors be bold and speak if you're listening and you're a pastor and I'm not talking run-of-the-mill I'm talking full package not package one not package two not package three the full package if you're listening first time you're like what are you talking about pa- Pastors with the package go back and listen to our uh, pastoral epistles don't forget the introduction to Timothy go back and listen and if you have the uh, a qualified pastor Listen, they will shepherd you. They're tasked by the Lord to shepherd you. And in obedience to Him, they will shepherd you. They will feed you. They will protect you. They will die for you. Very important. We are in the last days. I meant for the prophecy to state that judgment comes first to the house of God. That judgment comes first to the church. That says a lot about the shepherds. That says a lot about the disqualified shepherds. Just like, exactly like the book of Judges. Exactly. Just like in the book of Judges where, yeah, we got our priests. Yeah, we got, we got our Levites. We got our Kohanim. Yeah, we got them. Look at them. Where in the world can be found Abodah, Abodah Mishkan? And today, in these last days, yeah, we got our pastors. We got our elders. They're everywhere, on every street corner. And I say that on purpose. But where in the world can be found Abodah, Abodah Mishkan? If you're listening and you have your addictions to sex and drugs and alcohol and Buddha and Mary and, you know, Ouija boards and crystals and chakras and all that stuff. Listen, I'm going to tell you point blank. Those are idols. Those are idols. You need to see them as idols. Because that's exactly what they are. Now, balls in your court. Who is it that you will worship? Balls in your court. You have a choice to make. There is healing in Jesus Christ. You can be healed from whiskey. You can be healed from vodka. You can be healed from meth and the goofballs. You can be healed from the lines. You can be healed from the strippers and the pornography and the the, the prostitutes and the gambling. You can be healed from all of that. Right here, right now. You can be healed from it. But understand the formula has to be right. There is effectuation for promises. God's promises unto you. There is effectuation. And God doesn't make robots. You see? Look at verse 9. What Brother John says. If we confess our sins... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I don't care how dirty you are. You may say, oh, but I'm so dirty. I'm so dirty. I'm so dirty. Look, I do the sex. I do the crack. I do the vodka. I do the whiskey. I do the the Buddha, the, the, the Mary, the crystals, the chakras. Listen, that's nice. There is none higher than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is none. The reason why you think you're so dirty, and that you can't be clean, and that you can't be healed, is because Satan wants you to think that. You see? He wants you to think that. You know why? So that you won't get healed. So that you won't get clean. But I went to this pastor and he told me this and he prayed for me and nothing happened. Hey, you listened to the wrong pastor. You went to the wrong pastor. You see because the Bible says, you know, is anyone sick, go to your elders. You have to understand formula. For self for your, you know, your own self, the formula in you. For fellowship? for overseers, because when you have that, you know what that is? That's straight up love feast. That's koinonia, ecclesia, true, biblical koinonia, biblical ecclesia, biblical love feast. Heirs of Abraham, family of God, and that's holy. And what does John say? What does Peter say? Remember Peter when he says, you know, Thus saith the Lord, as the Lord is holy, you be holy. I mean, if you have your addictions, if you're listening, and you have your addictions to crack and the goofballs and the meth and the strippers and pornography and Buddha and Mary and crystals and chakras and all these different things, and it's like, how can I be holy? I got this mess in my life. How in the world can be holy? Can, can I be holy? There's only one way. Jesus. He is the only way. But the biblical Jesus, the real Jesus. Not the phony Jesus, the real Jesus. Remember the disciples, they asked Jesus, you know, what's the sign of your coming? And Jesus, the biblical Jesus, says there's going to be many Christs. Many Christs. Picture that, and we say this quite a bit and we're going to keep saying it, but picture that. A thousand Christs. They all look the same. They all dress the same. A thousand Christs. Who is it that you will worship? A thousand Christ, they all look the same. They dress the same. They look identical. Who is it that you will bow down to and worship? Now you might be listening and be like, well, how can I know? There's a thousand, they all look the same. It's impossible to discern. Let me tell you something. It is not impossible. Because Brother John, he knows. Brother Paul, he knows. Dr. Luke, he knows. Peter, he knows. And they are tasked by the Lord to go into the world and say, hey, tell the people about me. How is it that you and I will know? Because the Bible says, his word is above his name. That's how you'll know. The word of God. The full counsel of the word of God, Genesis to Revelation. That's how you will know. Because you have a teacher that says, hey, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Nope. Wrong teacher, wrong pastor, wrong Jesus. Because the Bible says, don't you dare take the mark of the beast. You do that. Hello, lake of fire. That's what the Bible says so a pastor says that you know who he is you know who he serves he serves his master the devil a pastor says hey you know you it's it kills me it breaks my heart because you have believers babies yes but you have believers with their addictions to sex and alcohol and drugs and all kinds of different things in their lives. And and they want healing. It is not a bad thing to desire healing. And they go to their church, they go to their pastor, and the pastor says, okay, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get in the bus and everybody line up, get in the bus. We're going to get in the bus and we're going to drive to the cemetery. And we're going to drive to the cemetery and we're going to go grave soaking. That's what pastors are doing in these last days. You know what that is? They go to the graves, they go to the cemetery at the particular gravesite of a dead person. A dead person. And they say, We're going to lay on this gravesite and we're going to soak up the Holy Spirit that is with these dead people. That's necromancy. That's an abomination. And yet you have believers. They're babies, yes. And you have these baby believers who don't know. Baby believers where, you know, they might know the passage. Hey, I got to submit to my pastor because the Bible says submit to my pastor. So the pastor says, get in the bus and we're going to go grave soaking. So I'm going to submit to him and I'm going to get in the bus. and I'm going to go lay on the grave. What's happening is they're submitting to the wrong pastor who's leading them to hell, to necromancy, an abomination before the Lord. Not a shepherd of righteousness, a shepherd of wickedness. And yet you have these baby believers who have these desire to be healed a brother baby brother who has his addictions to meth a sister who has her addictions to crack or vodka a brother who has his addictions to the prostitutes and the pornography and their babies you see And they're so desperate for healing. And the Bible says, okay, I got to submit to my pastor. Okay, is anyone sick? Go to your elder. Okay, I'm going to go to the elders. And then the elders say, okay, everybody get in the bus. We're going to go to the cemetery and we're going to go grave soaking. And the spirit from the gravesite is going to help you and heal you. You see? And people with their addictions. They go and they lay on the gravesite. And their so-called shepherd has led them to wickedness. See? Servants of Satan. That's what Paul calls these so-called shepherds. Servants of Satan. And that's what they do. Listen, if, if you're listening... And we have to be straight up. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's not just point blank. Well, you know, you have these addictions. Okay, you're a baby Christian. But, you know, because now, you know, in the last days, everybody's going to be offended, you know. And so, like, you know, we live in a generation that everybody is offended. The most ultra-sensitive generation is the generation of today, these last days. Ultra-sensitive. A person comes to Christ. They've been a Christian for two months. How dare you call me a baby? I'm so offended. What? You're two months two months in Christ. What what, what are we supposed to call you? You're a baby. Let's be straight up If you're a baby in Christ be straight up Own it Listen, babies are beautiful Babies are beautiful, but understand babies. They can't perform. They can't be neurosurgeons yet A two-month-old can't be an astrophysicist yet that takes time so if you're a baby understand own it own it say yeah okay i'm a baby I've, I've been a christian for two months i'm a baby now if you've been a christian for three years plus five years ten years now we're getting into leaven territory and sometimes i speak to the leaven but they're leaven not because of them per se, it's because of what they've been taught. And that might be you as well. Understand, you have a bad pastor, you have a bad teacher. Because leaven shouldn't stay. Le- Remember the defunct leaders of Corinth? And if you're listening and you do struggle with these addictions, with the meth with the vodka and the whiskey and the sex and the pornography and the strippers and the prostitutes and the gambling, and you struggle with these strongholds, there is healing. There is absolutely healing. Absolutely. And you have pastors today who say, oh, that was a healing that you see in the book of Acts. That was for 2,000 years ago. Rubbish. Rubbish. That's a false teacher that says that. That's a false prophet that says that. What they're revealing to you is that the Lord isn't with them. That's what they're revealing. When they say that, that's what they're revealing. The Lord's not with them. Because nowhere in the Bible will you see an expiration date on the power and the moving and the gifts of the Spirit. You won't see that in the Bible. And yet, these people say that. There's a a little disclaimer to that. Because the only time you do see that is when a person leaves the Lord you see that among the leaven you see it among the wolves as well that the lord is not with them very important but if you have these struggles these addictions you have to understand that there is healing in the lord but the formula in you it has to be right And you have to see those things as idols. You must, because that's exactly what they are. They are idols. Now, I love you. I love you. But, balls in your court. Who is it that you will serve? Who is it that you will bow down and worship? You see? The sex? The alcohol? The mess? The crack? The coke? Buddha? Or Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Who is it? And I love you. The ball's in your court. You have a choice to make. That's the formula. That's, That's the blueprints given to us in the Word of God. Those are the blueprints. And I tell you from experience, there is healing. You see? And if that's you, and you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ and do away with those idols, I'm going to challenge you right here, right now, point blank. Hit pause and listen to the message how to commit your life to Christ. And you do exactly that. You commit your life to Jesus Christ. The real Jesus whose word is above his name. Remember, the lineup of a thousand Christs. How will you know the real Jesus? His word is above his name. And you submit yourself to the real Jesus. The biblical Jesus whose word is above his name. And there is healing. Absolutely healing. Where crack, sex, alcohol history, done, over and done with, like that, point blank, gone. There is effectuation of promise. And then you come back and you listen and we grow together. We continue on this journey growing and maturing. And you repent and you come to Christ. And how you repent today is not going to be how you repent next week. It's not going to be how you repent in 10 years. It's not going to be how you repent in 20 years. You see? Because as you grow, as you mature, you're going to sin less and less and less and less. As you and me together move on to perfection. You see, people are desperate for healing. People are desperate for healing. They go to their pastor, nothing happens. They go to their elder, nothing happens. They ask for prayer, nothing happens. And yet you have the mockers and the scoffers. They say, oh, you know, I'm so tired, you Christians, you say, you know, we're gonna pray, we're gonna pray, and praying doesn't work. We need to take action, we need to take action. Now, with those scoffers, They say something that they observe, but they also say it in response to something that they do not understand. Because today, Christians pray and nothing happens. That's what happens. And it's happening. Christians pray and nothing happens. And go back and listen to our study through the book of James. Because James says, You pray and nothing happens. You ask and nothing happens. And he says, you know why? Because you ask amiss. The problem's not the Lord. He says the problem is you. The formula's gotta be right in our hearts. I know people that pray, men and women, and boom, answer instantly. Right formula formula has got to be right. You see? People that pray and boom, things happen. The formula has to be right. And it might be you, a person, male, female, young, old. I don't know. But what I do know is that the Lord still heals. You see? Whatever it is those things are, whatever idol it is, you cannot worship it. I say you cannot worship it, but I can't make you not worship anything. I can't force you to worship Jesus. I can't force that upon you. You can't force that upon me. But we can bow down willingly. Today, we can't have, you know, in the course of time, there's a, a prophecy that will come to pass that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But much better it is today, right here, right now, point blank, much better it is today to do that willingly. And there's healing in him, absolutely. There's healing. When those strong, str- strangleholds, those strongholds of those idols that they have, They'll go away. You know why? Because when you come to Christ and you commit your life to Jesus, you're His. You belong to Him. You think those things are going to have a, stronghold, a stranglehold? You think those things are going to have a... No way. They're powerless. The problem happens when people, they run back to those idols. That's a big problem, just exactly like we see in the book of Judges. You see? Remember, the biblical formula, the biblical model, once clean, stay cleaned. You see? You have your addictions? Let's throw away those idols and let's get you cleaned up. You hit pause. You listen to the message out to commit your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ, praise be to the Lord. Now, let's be straight up. You're a baby. If that's you, you're a baby. Babies are beautiful. But babies need to grow and let us grow together. And in verse 9, that's what John is saying here. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't care how dirty you are. I mean, you might be a stripper. You might be a prostitute. You might be a drug dealer where it's like there's sin upon you might have murdered. You might have committed murder. Now, if you've committed murder, there's a little disclaimer. Come to Christ and then call the police. You can grow and mature in prison. You see, but I'm not free. I'm not free. There's freedom in Christ. You see, I don't care whatever the filth is. I don't care. This world is fading. This world will burn. But I'm talking about paradise. And that's where I want you, in paradise with Jesus our Lord. Because Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Brother John says in verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Remember, the degree of sin is directly proportional to the degree of maturity. you know what you're gonna find if you have the meth addiction, if you have the sex addiction, if you have anger issues, if you have rage issues if you you know have these idols of whatever it is you're gonna come to Christ and those idols are boom gone because they have no power. you belong to Jesus and those idols are gone now we can't we can't run back to those. We can't. I mean, I say that, but everybody has a choice to make. Okay, I'm not, I'm done. I'm done with the crack, I'm done with the meth, I'm done with the vodka, I'm done with the whiskey, done with the prostitutes, done with the Ouija boards, I'm done. We have a choice to make. We get clean, we stay clean. And you might repent and you might be like, like you can't even tell you're human. You know, you just got all the loads of dirt and filth and muck. And then you come to Christ and boom. Now we can see, wow, your beautiful face created in the image of God. But he's not done. And now the gears of faith start to turn. He continues his work. Then you grow and you mature. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to you're gonna repent in five years. You're going to repent in 10 years. And it's going to blow you. I mean, you're going to repent, but you're also going to rejoice. Because you're going to be repenting for, you know, I don't want to say like little things, but things that seemed so insignificant five years ago, 10 years ago. You're going to repent and it's like, you're going to talk to a brother. You're going to talk to a sister and be like, yeah, you know what? I repented of that. I had to, you know, ask forgiveness. I had to seek forgiveness of the Lord for that. And they're going to be shocked like, what? I do that all the time. They're going to tell you, I do that all the time. Don't be so hard on yourself. And you're going to rejoice. Because it's like, wow, how far we've gotten together in the Lord. What the Lord has done. You see? You see? Let's get you cleaned up. You have your addictions and you're still listening and you didn't hit pause and commit your life to Christ. Hey, let's get you cleaned up. I tell you from experience, hit pause. I don't care how dirty you are. You might be so dirty that I can't even tell you're human. You're just lo- like, a, like just a mound of dirt. Hey, there's no filth, no dirt that the Lord can't clean. And I tell you from experience, let's get you cleaned up. You hit pause. Stop playing games. You hit pause. You listen to the message, how to commit your life. And you commit your life to Christ. And you grow and mature. You come back and you listen. And we grow. Go and listen to our studies from 1 Corinthians all the way to 1 John chapter 1. And you grow and you mature and you mature and then you become deadly. The good deadly see that the word of God can come off the paper and into your heart we end our study here I mean we're at verse 10 and we end our study here and you think like wow we've reached the end but it could also be the beginning if you are lu- lukewarm if you're listening and you're lukewarm If you're listening and you're realizing like, whoa, you know what? I'm not clean. If you're listening and you're like, you know what? I'm not a believer. Let's get you cleaned up. Let's get you cleaned up. It is true. We've reached the end of our study. But at the same time, if that's you and you're realizing like, oh my goodness, I'm lukewarm. Oh my goodness, I'm not clean. Oh my goodness, I'm not a believer. After this message, listen to another message how to commit your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ. And let us journey together to paradise. To the beautiful, beautiful people of the way. A remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.